You know, I, I don't know about you, but in days like this, I look for faithful people, don't you? And I don't know of anyone more faithful to the cause of Christ, to the, uh, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to one another than, to pa- than Pastor Sam and Beverly. And so it's a great joy and privilege for Naomi and me to be with them and with all of you today. Uh, we did have a tremendous time with the outstanding young men of God who were part of this church family yesterday, and uh, I just love and esteem each one of those guys, and what a great joy just to be with them. Uh, I ask for your prayers. In uh, just a few days, I'll be boarding a plane uh, to go to Kenya to be with David Hatley, who many of you know and is uh, supported by this church family, but we are convening something that we've never done done before. It's not just a conference for pastors in general. We're bringing together the heads of entire denominations, the heads of apostolic networks, of church planting networks, all throughout Kenya. We're bringing together about a hundred men who represent literally thousands of churches and no doubt tens of thousands of people, and we're bringing them together to encourage them. It's a strategic time for Kenya. There's been a, a lot of violence in the country, particularly against Christians, you're probably aware of the precious children who were literally gunned down in Sunday school a few weeks ago in uh, the capital city of Nairobi. Uh, There's been a contested presidential election that has just been determined by their Supreme Court, and a lot of uneasiness in the country right now. So we believe that uh, we're going in uh, the timing of God. We do ask for your prayers for that important outreach that will be happening a week after this week, so please be praying. Uh, Also, I just want to happily report to you something that happened last month as we convened together key leaders of the church in North India and in Pakistan. These are warring nations against each other who are are always uh, at odds with one another. Of course, we had to bring them together in a neutral country. Couldn't happen in India or Pakistan to bring the other nation's pastors in. And so we went to the uh, somewhat neutral nation of Nepal for that to happen, and 10 Nepali pastors as well, who came and uh, uh, some real breakthrough for the gospel in that part of the world occurred just by the bringing of these brothers together. The Spirit of God melted our hearts together from uh, the very first session, and it was a beautiful thing to see what God did by His Holy Spirit. Now, these victories for the gospel don't just happen. They happen because of faithful folks like you who pray and who give for the advance of the gospel, and we just want to say thank you. And then uh, allow me also to say that at the end of the service today, Naomi and I hope to meet several of you uh, in the foyer of the church. There are several books that I've written over the years that I know will be an encouragement to you and to your family, and let me encourage you to drop by uh, in the foyer back there and take a look at those books and take some resources home to help you uh, strengthen your family and strengthen your personal life and your walk with the Lord. Now today I want to talk to you about uh, the very core of who we are as Christians and what we believe. I want to talk to you about the gospel, pure and simple. There's a story of a little boy who was in Sunday school class one day, and he was asked the question by the teacher, uh, Jimmy, what is false doctrine? And misunderstanding the question, this little boy said, well, teacher, I guess that 
that false doctrine is when you give the wrong medicine to sick people. Well, he was absolutely right. And folks, there's a lot of false doctrine going on uh, in the name of the gospel, and the wrong medicine is being given out to sick people, and a distortion of the gospel, a misunderstanding of the gospel, uh, in the name of the gospel a lot of times. And so I want to take us back to some very cardinal truths of our faith this morning. And let me encourage you to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is Paul's last letter. And it's written to his protege, Timothy. And it's his final word of encouragement before Paul himself would lay down his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said in chapter 1, in verse 8, he said, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God. God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us, in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now notice this, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. We celebrated that last week. He has abolished death and he has brought life and immortality to light. How? Through the gospel. Now let's talk about the gospel in these next few minutes. It's my prayer that first and foremost you're going to go out of here today clear on the content of the gospel. What the gospel is. What the content of the gospel is. The Apostle Paul spoke about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 when he said, now brothers I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaimed to you. You received it You've taken your stand on it. You're saved by it. He's talking about the gospel. You've received it. You've taken your stand on it. You're saved by the power of the gospel. And you're also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you unless you have believed for no purpose. Now notice, he said, I passed on to you, writing to the church at Corinth, I passed on to you as most important what I also received. In other words, he said, everything else I've said, this is number one. This is most important. Top priority. I passed on to you as most important what I also received. And here it is. It's the content of the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and He was raised up again from the dead, according to the Scriptures. That's the core of the message we preach. It is the message of power. It's the message of hope. And did you notice, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. He's the central figure. The Gospel is about the death and the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, folks, we're not saved merely because I gave my life to Jesus. More importantly, I am saved because Jesus gave His life for me. He is the subject of the gospel. And Paul said, this is it. This is the 
primary content of the good news that we have to give to the world. But let's look at this very clear statement. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, buried, rose again, the third day according to the Scriptures. Let's unpack that for just a moment. Christ died for our sins. Christ, the Messiah, the the Chosen One of God, the Anointed One of God, the Redeemer, the One who buys us back. The Apostle Paul often in his letters gave this uh, illustration of Christ the Redeemer, the One who purchases, purchases us. The Greek word is agorazo, to buy, to purchase. But there is a prefix on that word, ek, out of, ek agorazo. It means not only did He buy us, but He bought us out. And the idea is this. Pastor Sam talked about slavery today and uh, how we rejoice that we're free, men and women in Christ. That's the exact picture. The idea is that we were chained and enslaved in the marketplace of sin. And the devil had shamed us, uh, exposed us, and here we were on the auction block of sin and degradation, sold under Satan's power, and Jesus comes in by His blood, and not only does He purchase us, He buys us out of that marketplace, and we're never going to be exposed for sale again. We belong forever to Him. That's good news. That's the gospel. And so I pray that we'll be Clear on the content, we have a Redeemer. Christ died. That's the reality. This twofold activity of God, the saving activity of God in the cross and the resurrection. The reality, uh, about now every year, you always get this little spate of books and they get a lot of airtime on interview shows on TV of uh, people who, who try to explain away uh, the resurrection of Christ, or even the reality of His death. And a few years ago, there was a big deal of, of uh, no, he, he just swooned. He didn't really die, and all of this. And all of these theories that have no basis in fact, whereas the basis of the, de- the, the fact of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is one of the most verifiable occurrences in all of history. He did die. So notice, we got a Redeemer. We also have the reality of His death. But we're also told the reason for which He died. Christ died for our sins. The Apostle Paul said, and it's the content of the Gospel again in a single verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us. All of our sins were put on us in order that we, if I can interject, we who knew no righteousness, might become the very righteousness of God in Christ. The the idea and, and the very word is imputed. It's not my righteousness. You see, even if you were able to do all of these things that looked good to others, at the very best, all you would be producing is self righteousness. And self-righteousness stinks to anybody. But instead, there's this new plan. It's the plan of the gospel 
where the righteousness that we have isn't even our own. It's the very righteousness of God put onto our account, put into us by the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a Redeemer. We have the reality of His death. We have the reason for which He died for our sins. Isaiah prophetically saw that in Isaiah 53, 700 years before the death of Christ. And he saw He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastening for our peace fell upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. And then Isaiah went on to say that the Lord, the Father, has laid on Him, the Son, the iniquity, the sin of us, of us all. The Hebrew word is far stronger than that. It's not laid on Him. In the original language, it sounds more like this. The Lord has caused to be smashed upon Him the iniquity of us all. Every sin, every unclean thought, every, every action against the will of God, every uh, defiance by word, all of that in my life, in your life, smashed upon the Son of God. And that's why he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of that happened. He who knew no sin literally became sin for us. You remember Jesus referenced this himself in John chapter 3 when he said, Even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You may remember the story. The children of Israel were in the wilderness. Because of their disobedience, there came a, a scourge of venomous snakes who began to attack and bite the people, and the venom would go into them, and they began to die by the droves. And Moses went appealing in behalf of the people to God, and he said, What shall I do? And the answer of God to him was, Put a serpent made out of brass, put that brass serpent up on a pole, and as many as look will live. The serpent, a type of Satan and a type of sin, put on a pole, the type of Christ. He, even as Moses put up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He did the very same thing. And this wonderful story, the Bible says, as many as looked lived. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. One of the great preachers of the 19th century, a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon, his wonderful conversion experience was such that on a very, very cold day, so cold, in fact, in blizzard conditions on a Sunday, the preacher himself didn't show up at church, but Spurgeon was in turmoil of soul and he had to find an answer. Maybe you're here today and you came in looking and seeking and saying, i got to find an answer today. That was Charles Spurgeon as a young man, and he sat on the back row. There were only a handful of people in the church. Finally, a layman stood up and said, Folks, the pastor didn't even come today. And he turned to that passage, Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. And he looked out at the handful of people. He said, Folks, I, I don't have a lot of education, but it doesn't take a lot of education to look. And if you will look in faith today to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, you'll be saved. And Spurgeon did that. 
And he became a new creation in Christ. And thousands upon thousands of people came to Christ through his ministry, and he continues to bless the body of Christ today. Let's be clear on the content of the gospel. We have a redeemer. We have the reality of his death. We have a reason for his death. He died for our sins and the resurrection, and he rose again the third day. That's the good news, the content of the gospel. But I pray that not only will we be clear about its content, but that we will be captured by the subject of the gospel, and the subject of the gospel is none other than Jesus Christ himself. As Paul introduced his marvelous letter to the church at Rome, in Romans chapter 1, he said, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, I'm called to be an apostle, I'm separated to the gospel, the gospel of God, which he promised by his prophets, they said it was coming in the Holy Scriptures, this gospel concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The subject is the gospel. You know, people are tampering with Jesus today. They're taking the biblical Jesus, and they're distorting the message about Him. Some, this crazy thing called the, the Jesus Seminar that's been around for a few years that uh, de- tries to debunk the miracles of Christ and, and uh, questions His deity and all of that. There are others who try to contemporize him and put him in Levi jeans or whatever and make him cool for the current folks. We don't need to contemporize Jesus. We just need to unveil him. Just unveil his beauty, his magnificence, his majesty, his glory, his power. There's an old chorus that says this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I pray today for you that you'll be clear on the content of the gospel, but also that you'll be captured by the subject of the gospel, Jesus Christ Himself. And then, number three, we've got to be convinced of the power of the gospel. No wonder Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. It's the power of God. The Greek word is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. It blasts through every resistance. It's the power of God over and over and over again. You hear evangelists refer to Scripture. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bi- why? Because it's the power of God. I heard a story of a, uh, of a native of a small South Pacific island who uh, had been a cannibal, but the gospel got to him and uh, changed him completely, and he became a new creation in Christ. And he was happily sitting under a palm tree one day reading the Bible, and a, 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 a naval ship, an American Navy ship, docked in the port, and all the sailors uh, went off the ship into, onto the island. And finally, the captain of the ship came off, and he walked by this islander, this native, who was reading the Bible. And the captain kind of smirked and said, oh, so you're reading the Bible. You know, in the Western world, uh, yeah, we've got Bibles, but 
we don't really read them, and mostly they're just gathering dust on people's uh, bookshelf somewhere. And, uh, you know, maybe you uh, primitive people will eventually get enlightened and go on to other things past, past this book, the Bible. And the islander just looked up at the man and smiled and said to the captain, you know, you better be glad this book got here before you did. Or I'd be having you for supper tonight. You see, the gospel changes everything. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. It has power. I was preaching in the city of Hyderabad, India, a few years ago, and, and a woman came up to me after I preached, big smile on her face, and she said, Do you remember when you held a gospel meeting here in the city of Hyderabad 10 years earlier? I said, Yes, ma'am, I remember that meeting very well. And she said, Well, my husband came one night to your meeting. She said at that time he was an idol worshiper. He had never heard the gospel before. He'd never been to church before. He had never had any contact with Christianity before. She said, but that night he heard the gospel for the first time, this good news about Christ. And when you appeal to people to turn from their sin and to turn from their idols and to embrace Christ as their Savior and as King and Lord in their life, she said, not only did my husband hear that message, he responded to that message. He said yes to Christ that night. And about this time, as the lady was telling me the story, tears were puddling up in her eyes. And She said he came home later that night, and he just silently walked around our house. And he gathered up all of our gods and relics, and he put them in a big pile, and he burned them to ashes. And then he called all of our family together, and he made an announcement to us. He said, as of tonight, our family has a new Lord, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that dear lady said, our family changed forever from that one night and from that one hearing of the gospel. Folks, that's the power of the gospel. May we be convinced of its power. This simple message has power to break into and break through your circumstance and, 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 and your loved ones who are away from God and your business associates who are away from God. This message has power. Second Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is, is uh, talking to them about helping in gathering an offering together that will go to the poor church. Uh, uh, saints of God, the poor Christians living in Jerusalem. And he said, now, we're, we're going to carry this offering by our trusted friend Titus, and he's going to be accompanied by another man. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 18. doesn't even give the name of this man, but it describes him. He said, the man whose praise is in the gospel. And that's known through all the churches. Wouldn't you love to have that as your reputation? You know, that guy, his whole life is about the gospel. His praise is in the gospel. Let's be convinced of the power of the gospel. May you be clear on its content. May you be captured by the subject of the gospel, Jesus himself. And let's be convinced of its power. John Newton, the man who wrote Amazing Grace, this uh, slave owner, who 
later turned preacher. He said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not even what I hope to be. But because of the cross of Christ, I am not what I was. And that's the testimony that we all have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be convinced of the power of the gospel and let it loose. Somebody asked Charles Spurgeon one time, they said, do you, do you defend the Bible? He said, defend the Bible? That's, it's kind of like trying to defend a lion. Just let it loose. It'll defend itself. Folks, let's let the gospel loose. It will defend itself. I pray that we will be clear on the content of the gospel, captured by the subject of the gospel, convinced of the power of the gospel, and then, number four, that we'll be compelled by the beauty of the gospel. What a magnificent message. Paul wrote in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, he said, When the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said the gospel is not a message that man would invent if he could. Nor is it a message that man could invent if he would. Why is that? Because, you see, man isn't the star in this story. Jesus is the star. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. This is the beauty of the gospel. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, When we were without strength, when there was no hope for us, Christ died for the ungodly. A dear friend of mine, now home in heaven, who wrote a wonderful book on prayer, Paul Bilheimer said there's romance at the heart of the universe. God calling out a bride for His Son based on those who look to the Lamb of God to save them. And now we've got a kinsman redeemer, somebody just like us, who stripped himself of his royal prerogatives, and came and became as we are so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Uh, many years ago now, Naomi and I were in the nation of Thailand, and I was there to speak at a very large conference. And as I looked out over this audience, my heart was just thrilled and humbled because there's 11,000 people out there in Thailand, Thai people, and I realized that they were almost all teenagers or in their 20s, and that almost all of them were first-generation Christians. Almost all of their parents were still idol worshipers. And I watched them just as they would voraciously study the Word of God and take notes, but also their, their intensity in worship and their gratitude to God for saving them and, and, and pulling them out of, uh, of the darkness that had been a part of their religious system for hundreds and even thousands of years. And I, my eyes set on one young lady during the worship service, a teenage girl, because uh, the beauty of the Lord was all over her countenance. She was worshiping the Lord with such abandon and such joy. And I went up to her after the service just to thank her for, uh, for her worship. I said, uh, it, it, it ministered to me just to see you worship the Lord. And this teenage girl said, sir, may I tell you my story? 
She said, uh, I was born in the red light district of Bangkok. She said, my mother put me into child prostitution when I was just a little girl. It was the only life I knew. And she said, one day a preacher came and he, he put down money for me, but not to use me in some illicit way. She said, he bought me. He purchased me and he took me out of that environment. He took me home with him and made me as his own daughter. And by this time she was crying and so was I. And she said, uh, he clothed me, educated me, fed me. But most of all, he gave the gospel to me. And this dear young girl said, sir, I know what it means to be redeemed. Anybody happy about being redeemed here today? That's what it means, purchased by, by Christ. The beauty of this message, let's be compelled by its beauty, the hate-filled, vitriolic messages of other religions, that God is angry at you, and, and He's angry because you're an infidel, and angry because you're not doing this and not doing that. No, the Bible teaches that God is angry at sin, but that that sin was dealt with on the cross, and the enmity, the war between holy God and sinful man stopped and was finished on one day, and that day was the day that Jesus Christ stood in our place and took the wrath of God for us. Now we're free when we look to the Lamb of God in faith who takes away the sin of the world. Let's go with the gospel this week, folks. Let's be clear on its content and captured by its subject and convinced of its power and compelled by its beauty. But then also we've got to be committed to its truth. Frankly, never thought I'd live to see the day in America when there is such a blatant frontal attack against the gospel all the time, day after day, relentlessly, in our classrooms, on television, in the newspaper, through all kinds of media, this vicious, vicious attack. There was an attack on the gospel in Paul's day, not only from without, from those who didn't believe the gospel, but also from those within, inside the church, who were perverting the gospel, and that is happening in our day as well. Now, when they tried to pervert the gospel in Paul's day, here was his response. He told us about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. He said, we did not give and submit to these people who were trying to pervert the gospel even for one hour so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Our grandchildren, uh, one of them was baptized last month and another one opened his heart to Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he's five years old. I want to talk to every parent, every grandparent here. Do you see that phrase? So that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you? We've got a call. We have a responsibility. Not only to our own generation, but to the next generation and even the generation past that that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for them. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this. He said, if I profess with the loudest voice and 
clearest exposition, every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christ. Notice what he says. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at the point where the battle rages. The point where the battle rages today is on the truth of the gospel. This is the hill we die on. The hill we die on is the hill Christ died on. We stand by the gospel. We are committed to the truth of the gospel. I shared with these wonderful young men yesterday a, a verse of an old hymn. It says, Though the cause of evil prosper, yet the truth alone is strong. Though her portion be the scaffold, and upon the throne be wrong, yet that scaffold sways the future. And beyond the dim unknown standeth God within the shadows, keeping watch above his own. Folks, truth is very, very durable. God's cause will triumph, and the truth of the gospel will prevail. You be encouraged in that, and you stand with the truth of the gospel. There are those today who would say we're on the wrong side of history. No, we're on the minority side of where culture may be going, but we are not on the wrong side of history. Jesus Christ is going to prevail, and He's going to be King over all kings, and Lord over all lords, and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. That's where history is going. We're on the right side of history. And Jesus is going to prevail. Ideologies that are weak at their core often resort to violence for their propagation. We, however, have a clarity and a purity of a gospel, and what motivates us is not hatred, but the love of God. The love of God compels us. And finally, let's remember that we're commissioned for the advance of the gospel. Jesus said to us, and it's on the front of your bulletin today, Make disciples of all the nations of the earth. He also said in Mark 16, verse 15, Go and proclaim this good news to all of creation. The great theologian Carl Henry said, The gospel is good news only if it arrives in time. I pray that we'll pick up on the urgency of the gospel again. I want to call on every believer here. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. I'm going to call you to two commitments this week. I have real confidence in the Holy Spirit. Many of you right now are thinking of a person, perhaps a relative, perhaps someone in your immediate family, maybe somebody at school or at work, a friend who does not know Christ. Would you commit to pray for that person this week and be ready for the Holy Spirit to open the door. And would you just say, Lord, when, when you open the door, I will respond and I'll go through with the gospel. But in the meantime, I'll be praying for the Spirit of God to soften their heart. Make that commitment today to be intentional 
with the gospel. And then, a second commitment. Would you just commit, Lord, whenever I sense a prompting by the Holy Spirit to say a good word for Jesus, I'm just going to open my mouth and say a good word for him. Would you as a believer make that commitment today? And then I want to say to any friend here, if you've never opened your heart to Christ, or if you're not sure where you stand, if I were to ask you flat out, do you know that you've passed from death to life? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that you have a home in heaven? If you're unclear or unsure at any point, in just a moment the pastor's coming and there's going to be folks around this altar who would love to pray with you. You can, leave, you can go through those double doors today with the assurance that your sins are gone and paid for and that you're starting a new life. It's so dramatic. Jesus called it being born again. There's somebody here today, I'm confident, and you're saying, man, it would be so great to get a second shot at life. That's exactly the good news I'm bringing to you. You can be born again. You can start all over when you look to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's embrace it for the first time or as we've never embraced it before, the gospel, pure and simple. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this great church family, and I thank you that they are indeed known for the gospel. And Lord, I'm asking that there would be an evangelistic avalanche in this church. And Lord, that, uh, that the gospel would go forth in power and in strength. And Father, that you would bring many to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I'm asking you, start now, begin even now, to sovereignly engineer opportunities for me and for every believer and follower of Christ here to open our mouths lovingly and boldly for Jesus this week. And Lord, those that you place on our hearts that are outside of Christ and away from you, Father, let us commit to pray for them and begin even this day to pray that you would soften and prepare their hearts and then, Lord, that you would give us the high honor of being the the conduit, the one who brings them to the foot of the cross. And Father, I pray for any friend here today who is just unsure where they stand with you. Lord, let this be the day that they experience that dramatic, wonderful, joyous new birth and they step over the line where Jesus becomes King and Lord in their lives. Lord, I trust you for this. I'm asking you for it. In the prevailing name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 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 How many of you appreciate the power of the gospel this morning? Amen. Wow. There's one thing you can always count on with Dr. Shipley, and that's a clarity to the gospel of Christ. In fact, as we've learned in this last week, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we're among all men most miserable. But Christ has risen from the dead. And so we have new life as well. Today as we come to the close of the service, 
We're going to do three things really quick. I'm going to ask our, in just a moment, uh, our prayer team to be ready to come as we conclude. And if you're here today and you've never really met him and you've never really allowed that gospel to become real in your life, instead of going through those doors, come this way and these prayer team will pray for you. If you need prayer for any reason, they'll pray for you. If you're here today and you believe God is adding you to Church on the Rock North, just like you saw these new uh, members of the family just a few moments ago, you come this way, not that way, and just meet one of our prayer team, and they'll take good care of you, and they'll pray for you, and they'll give you everything you need to get you moving in the right direction. And we're going to do that at the close of this service. So I want you to not miss your moment in just a moment to make jesus christ the lord of your life amen number two if you were blessed by the ministry of dr shibley as we leave today i'm going to ask our ushers to be on all the doors if you would like to invest in this family i'm telling you the bible says we ought to share all good things with those who teach us and minister the word of god to us and 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 uh, our guys let me tell you something if you if you were blessed today our our guys yesterday got life-changing truth and and uh, you ought to just bless Dr. Shibley for coming without price or without, without premise other than to just be a blessing to invest his life and download uh, his life into them all day long yesterday. What a great investment he made. And so we want to invest in his life. And if you want to do that today, you can simply make out a check to COTR North or COTRN, and that'll do it. We'll be make sure this goes into into the, uh, the the hands of our faithful brother and friend, Dr. David Shibley. So I want to encourage you to be an investment uh, into his, his life. They have blessed us this weekend. Number three, I don't know if you saw on the news uh, Friday night, tragically, uh, Rick Warren, who, as most of you know, wrote, wrote the probably the most popular book in the history other than the Bible, The Purpose Driven Life. His son uh, tragically lost his life Friday night. I think he's 27 years old. And uh, uh, Pastor Rick and his lovely wife Kay and their family and that entire church and people all over the world are heartbroken today. So I want us to stand together today. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. We're going to pray for uh, uh, Pastor Rick Warren. So prayer team, come right on. Uh, And remember, uh, before anyone dismisses, let's let's pray for... uh, for our friend who's made a big difference in the world, Pastor Rick Warren. Let's pray together. Father, today we thank you that you're a God of great grace. And Lord, you're a God of comfort. And Lord, today, uh, Pastor Rick Warren and his family and his church family are brokenhearted over the loss of this young man. We pray today the comfort of the Holy Spirit upon them, the grace of God upon them, your peace of God inside of them in the middle of this traumatizing moment in their life. You would be everything and more than they could ever dream for them today in Jesus' name. And Lord, today we bless Dr. Shibley and we bless this giving opportunity to be a blessing to him. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I think we ought to give Jesus the one who saved us all the glory this morning. Amen. And don't forget, I'm going to dismiss Dr. Shibley and Naomi if they'd like to go to the book table. Let me tell you, there's two books back there, just for a second. There's one that's called Special Times with God. And and that book has been around a while. In fact, if you open the inside of it, you'll see a little 
promo blip from yours truly. Uh, we use that book with our kids. It's about bringing special times to your children. There's about 50-something little small devotionals that you can bring with your kids. Don't, hey, parents, a huge tool to make a difference in your kids. Number two, uh, the other book is Great, Great for God. Is that what you guys got? Stories of missionaries around the world. There's only a few copies back there. Uh, don't let him pack one book up and take it back with him. These are, these are great tools. So every family member, get one for your family. Uh, and uh, Great for God mission. So do that. And, and uh, as you go, if you can be a blessing to Dr. Shibley financially, I appreciate that. Father, we thank you for all that you've done in our midst today. And, Lord, for these who need you, Lord, I pray today, Lord, God, as we go, that, Lord, for someone here who may need to make a fresh commitment to you, they would come this way, not that way. And, Lord, and if someone's here who needs to plug into the vision in the family of this church, help them come this way and not that way, Lord, and just really move into a whole new arena of blessing in their life through the ministry of this church. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. We're going to count to three and shout hallelujah. Do that with me. And you go out with a great shout. And I want to see you here Wednesday night. One, two, three. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a great day. And tonight at 630 right here again with Dr. Shibley. Amen.